Today's podcast is brought to you by Elenco Animal Health and Kelly's Finance. Welcome back. You're on the grill again for Beef Central. Brought to you today by Elenco Animal Health and Kelly's Finance. Today's guest is a bloke who's seen it all and certainly done more than most to give you an indication of how long he's been around. When he started, most cattle were sold without being weighed. How? We'll find out a little later on. Let's make him welcome. A man who's had so many jobs through the livestock world, it's hard to give him a description that actually fits. Murray Arnell, jack of all trades and master of many. Welcome to Beef Central. You're on the grill. Thanks, Kerry. Well, it's uh, just great to have you here, mate. Murray, we're about to have a relatively uh, quick journey through your career and to help me out, a good mate of yours from uh, Sheep, Sheep Central, Terry Sim. Hello, Terry, and say hello to your old mate. Hey, Murray. Hello, Terry. How are you? Good when to... did you two first get together? How long ago? Yeah, look, I'm not quite sure when Terry joined the uh, the brigade at Stock and Land, but it was probably um, just on the round the turn of the 2000s, Terry, would it be? That'd be about right, yeah. yeah. It would yeah. have been early early 2000s, yeah. That's a, lot yeah. Of, that's a lot of water under the bridge, boys, as especially in the last 18 months or so, I suspect. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Murray, you were a Mallee boy and your first gig out of school, you actually trained to be a wool classer, is that right? Uh, yes, Kerry, I did. I uh, I was a young bloke that wanted to go back and break a few sods in the Mallee, but um, the 67 drought fixed that. And uh, I finished up, I was going to the Swan Hill Technical School at the, at the time, and the only thing that I really had to fall back on was a... Uh, a course that I was doing in wool classing. So uh, I'd done two years part-time, so I went to Melbourne and finished that course at the uh, Melbourne College of Textiles. And from there, I went down to the Portland Wool Stores and worked in the bulk class handling depot there for about two and a, two and a half years. So, uh, yeah, look, I had a, a, a good grounding in um, in wool. And, and of course, I, I come from, from an area in that Mallee area at Witchy Proof where it was, uh, there was a lot of sheep run and family around that uh, ran a lot of, quite a number of sheep and have been in sheep uh, on the uh, on my mother's side of the family probably for, you know, best part of 80 or 100 years. So, yeah, so wool classing yeah. was a bit of a natural, I guess. I guess you could still put your hand into a bale and click the fingers and, and class at the wool uh, accordingly? Yeah, well, uh, you know, Go on uh, fifty or sixty years, Terry, and, and I've uh, I've bought a farm and uh, I do my own wool classing, so I can I still do. do a bit of flicking. Flicking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, like so many young fellas those days, you looked around and one of the one of the big ones, Australian Estates, picked you up. That was the start of uh, another working life in and around sale yards. Yeah, it was. I, I left the uh, Portland wool stores and got a job with uh, Australian Estates Shepparton as a booking clerk. And in that Golden Valley region, uh, and I'd never ever been to uh, the Golden Valley, um, that uh, branch used to conduct sales at uh, Shepparton, Katura, uh, up at Newmerka. And so I was in the sale yard probably um, well, three and a half, four days a week, I suppose. It was a very interesting time. Uh, lands were quite proficient in the, uh, in the Golden Valley and so were, so were cattle. So I had a great grounding in in the in the agency business too at the same time. So so you ended um, up. You also went to you ended up at Govel at um, Govel Meets at Shepparton, 
and you did a lot of on-farm buying. I'm guessing that's where your weight-guessing skills were honed. Look, when I went to the to the abattoirs at Shepparton under Mike McGuinness, um, I worked in the office there, and, and I was just crashing numbers really for the first time. We the abattoirs there at the time was doing a um, a contract job for for a company called Osteran, which was fifty percent the Iranian government, twenty five percent National Bank, and twenty five percent Darling Coal, and they were sending frozen lamb to uh, to Iran. And that contract actually went out, and we were doing up to 58,000 lambs a week in three states, five different abattoirs. And it was my job to, uh, to monitor the numbers from, from the various buyers that were operating at the, you know, around the country to, uh, to, to making sure that the numbers balanced at the kill floor. And that's, that's what my job initially was, yeah. So, Murray, when did the actual weight-guessing agenda become part of uh, your business every day? I mean, livestock have been sold for a long time with scales, and they've been around a long time, but for a long time also, you just had to look at these cattle and guess their weight. Yeah, well, uh, you know, along with the job in the livestock office, you know, you'd go down to the larages every day and, and you and you would look at uh, different lots of lambs that come in and uh, and I was taking the buyer's estimates at night over the telephone and, and you know, they would put a weight on them of, uh, back in the old pounds days of, say, uh, 32 pounds or something like that. And you'd go down and you'd say, oh, well, yeah, that's what they look like. Well, we'll see what they look like when they killed. So, you know, we're, we're always cross-referencing and... And at the time, Gobel Meats was doing a 420 uh, head kill of uh, cows or, or beef, which was mainly dairy cows, and, and they were going into the, the US. You know, at that time when there was um, restrictions in the US, and you had to have entitlement. So, you know, we were—I was always watching weights at that time. And after the Gobel Meats uh, period. Anderson Meats bought the Shepherd and Abattoirs and I was put on as a buyer, but I was mainly doing sheep and lambs. I didn't do much cattle at all until I joined the reporting service. And then, um, you know, we did crash courses in, you know, weights and, and that sort of stuff. But by the time that uh, I got to the reporting service, they were starting to weigh cattle around the, around the countryside. And, um, you know, Newmarket had scales in. They think they came in in seventy or 78 or something like that and and uh, I joined the reporting service in 82 so you know it it was there so we were really looking at yield but you know you often there was a mixture of uh, live weight and carcass weight sales uh, open auction sales so you had to be proficient in both of them but you know we spent a lot of time at the abattoirs uh, in the reporting service days just checking weights and seeing that we were getting muscle scores right and fat yeah. scores and all that sort of stuff now Murray, the, 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 the weight what was the what was a good guess regarded as do you have to get within a certain number of pounds of the actual weight or well, you know, we we were always hopeful that we could get within two or three percent. And uh, you know, if, if if you were a lamb buyer buying for an abattoir, you know, you, you would hope to be within uh, a pound or a half a half a kilo or something like that. You know, if you put in a run of cows for that you'd gone and bought, you would hope to be within ten. You know, either way, top or bottom. Uh, and um, so. You know that was that was the level of skill that was really required, and, yeah. and uh, you know it's uh, it is it is a uh, 
there, there are a lot of people around that have got a good eye for weight, and I was uh, I was no nowhere near at the top of the tree um, for sure. Do you remember Murray? Any of those that were at the top of the tree? I mean, in my beginnings, I can remember uh, a character called Bobby Hackett. You would you would have known Bobby working through the round yard at uh, at Casman and other sales in Hayward. Yeah, um, Bobby was a great judge. Uh, you know, in our because Laurie Park, the late Laurie Park, um, uh, worked for Gilbertson and then at uh, Penny and Lang at Carisbrook. Uh, you know, in the sheep uh, sheep section, you know, there was um, Graham Cook who was around for a long time with Ararat Meat Exports and Bothwicks and. Uh, there was a lot of really good judges, uh, you know, Noel Rutley, who was a lamb buyer, he was probably, yeah. A lot of these fellas went, uh, you know, their persona went with them too at the same time. Some were rough and ready and, and some were, were absolute gentlemen. But but it, all in all, they, they all they all worked to about the same level and some were a little bit better than others. Cattle buyers rough and ready. I can't believe you'd say that, Murray. Now, look. (laughs) (laughs) There'll be no cattle buyers listening to this, will there? (laughs) Look, Murray, I've got to ask you about one of the extraordinary events of the 70s, and I'm sure you were there, and that is the great cattle price crash of the 70s. What are your memories of those terrible days? I was... uh I was in transition, I suppose, between the Australian estates in the stock agency and then into the abattoirs. And working in the Goulburn Valley, you know, it was demoralising really for for all sections of the industry. It didn't matter whether you're a farmer or a buyer or an agent or what it was. But, uh, you know, there were pits opened up and, and, sh- and cattle were shot. And uh, it, that was that was really uh, it was it wasn't a good time for the beef industry. There's uh, no doubt about that. And, and of course, it was being strangled by in the entitlement issue that was uh, going into the United States. And if you didn't have entitlement, you couldn't ship. And I do remember at one period of time that the uh, the, the Local Farmers Federation thought that the uh, the abattoirs were taking advantage of producers and. The Shepherd and Abattoirs, from my understanding, offered it the uh, plant to the um, to, to the producer group to uh, to kill as many cows as, as they'd liked it, uh, for a week, as long as the chillers were emptied at the end of the week, and they never took up the offer. So you know, it just went to show how difficult it was to move meat at that particular time. And and farmers were uh, or grazers were actually shooting cattle on farm. It's dreadful, dreadful stuff. Well, well yeah, look, the government uh, stepped in, and and you know there was organised uh, pits um, through through the Golden Valley, uh, I think, through the Western District. Yeah. Um, and they opened these big pits up, and they put thousands of cattle in. Terry, and Terry, uh, you, you know, yeah, Terry, you got any memories of those days? I can, yes. I mean, I wasn't even in my teen years then, but. Uh, uh, I can remember a sheep pit not far from from our place on a on a a wide uh, wide road. Uh, yeah, just pushing sheep into it and cattle. I'm going to, the next crash I'm coming to, of course, is the removal of the floor price scheme in 1991, when Australia actually had 170 million sheep and the rug was pulled uh, overnight. And the, I know millions, perhaps, uh, of sheep were shot in those days. Yeah, look, um, there were pits opened up in the Western District. Um, I was with the reporting service at that time, and, and uh, look, I can't really put a pin on the year, but it was um, you know early nineties, as you say, and it was before I went to Stock and Land in ninety two. But I remember one day being out in Hamilton, and the um, 
and it, and, uh, and it was getting into the uh, into the city media and the daily media and uh, one of the uh, news outlets uh, flew a helicopter into the Hamilton side yards and and I was out there actually reporting and nobody wanted to go and talk to them and interview them so I was delegated to go over and just tell them to quietly piss off and uh, you know it was it, it, it was um, it was really demoralising, uh, you know, and uh, whether they got their story or not, you know, I didn't look to, on the television that night. But you know, when you when you're reporting sheep making um, uh, five and ten dollars for a hundred sheep in a pen, well, you know, it's um, it uh, was no good for anybody. You're on the grill with Beef Central. Our guest today is Murray Arnell, and we'll be back in a moment after this brief message from our sponsors, Alenco Animal Health and Kelly's Finance. This podcast is brought to you by CompuDose, a proven way to maximise growth rates in grass-fed cattle. CompuDose allows you to target and achieve specifications for most major markets, including MSA grading and feedlots. Contact Alanco and find out how CompuDose can grow your beef operation. Results may vary depending on nutrition. Always read and follow label directions. Established since 1988, Kelly's Finance Group have the finance solutions when it comes to agribusiness lending, from property loans and livestock funding to machinery and vehicle finance. They are the experts in arranging finance on behalf of their clients that not only ensures market-leading interest rates, but more importantly, financing that is suited to your agricultural operations, not your lender's bottom line or their preferred security position. With access to an array of specialist and traditional finance providers, there's no job too big or too small for the Kelly's Finance Group team. Contact Kelly's Finance Group today for an independent and confidential discussion on how we can add value to your business moving forward. Welcome back. Our guest today, the about-to-retire Murray Arnell, a legend in the rural business in Victoria, and alongside him, Terry Sim from Sheep Central. In the early 80s, you joined Vic Ag as a livestock market reporter and you had about a decade there with Vic, Vic Ag. And in your own words, yeah. you were headhunted to stock and land out of Vic Ag. That was a big step going to SNL. Uh, yes, look, it was. And um, they had asked me a couple of times and I didn't think that I was up to the job. Uh, and, you know, because... Stock and land had a huge reputation um, uh, as as an as the livestock media outlet. Uh, you know, it was born out of Newmarket. Uh, it was the uh, it was basically the livestock paper of, of of the south. And we know how big Newmarket was because you know it it was um, the biggest livestock selling centre. You know, in Southern Hemisphere, and there'd only been three prime stock reporters with stock and land in the 75 years before I joined. And they asked me a couple of times and I said no. And the, the third time I couldn't refuse. So to, to be able to have that uh, acknowledgement, that privilege to be able to report to uh, through the, the media outlets uh, of, a, of a paper like that, was uh, you know a, a great uh, thrill for me, and you know one that I took very, very, very seriously. And you got to work with Terry there as well, of course. Yeah, well, Terry came, <laughs> Terry came <laughs> along later, and I taught him a few things. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, Murray. Uh, so, 
you would have seen an, a lot of reporters come and go, Murray. So uh, how do you think reporting's changed since you started at, at, uh, at Stock and Land? Well, that's an interesting question, Terry, because um, the few fellas that were there before me were people that came out of the industry, like I did, and reported uh, and, went, and went into journalism if you, or, you know, uh, writing yep. for newspaper. Today, I don't think that there is, uh, from the crop of um, journalists that are out there reporting in today's markets, I don't think there's one of them that have ever got their feet dirty before picking up a pen uh, in, in, in a set of cattle yards working. So, I, I, you know, there's a lot, there, there's a lot of wannabes that uh, have come in who are trained journalists that uh, pick up a pen to go and report markets. But there's no one there now that really has uh, got the industry imprint on them before they go there. I think it's called shit. On, I, I, Murray, I think it's called shit on the boots. Actually, that's what they. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I think you're right, Terry. Yeah. How does that serve the industry, uh, or, or even um, the readers? I, I think that they lose empathy with what's going on, um, and and you know, I, I I sit back now in my senior years, I guess, and, and watch some of them operate and you know they're very good at taking photos they're very good at putting um, audio underneath someone's chin to ask them what they, what happened but you know they're not looking at the livestock themselves and having an assessment of what goes on you know every time that I uh, a pen was written or sold at a sale yard and I wrote it down I took it home and put it into a uh, spreadsheet and worked out what the prices were actually doing and then benchmarked it against the ecchi and 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 uh, used it to find out what it was, uh, say, cattle were doing in Wodonga to see what they were doing in uh, Ballarat to see what they were doing in Hamilton. It was uh, it, it was one of those things that you know it was just bred in, in into me uh, uh, through the reporting service days and you know the background that I had with uh, watching uh, kill statistics come through, kill sheets come through at the abattoirs. So uh, you know I. I was confident that I I was doing my very best to have a grasp on what was going on in the marketplace myself as a journalist and then be able to turn around and write with some degree of confidence and knowledge about what was going on and, and understanding how the industry works. Murray, can I just say here that when you, I, I recall when you started there or maybe some time after you started and despite your age, your relative age to the young people around the office, you were one of the first to introduce visual reporting on the internet. You had uh, YouTube videos. You used Twitter when it came along. Facebook, of course, uh, all the yeah. social media stuff. And you were one of the first. Yeah, look, uh, that was an interesting stage. Uh, I'd been to a uh, uh, a rural press uh, conference up in Sydney, and I, in all the times that I'd worked for uh, the uh, rural press network, um, I only ever went to one. State conference, and from that they were talking about this new digital media, and there was a fellow called Marius Cummins who was there. Marius worked for AWI, and we were we were sat on the plane coming home, and we talked about it, and and he said, "Why don't you pick up a handy cam and take it to the sale yards and do interviews?" So the next time we went to Witchyproof sale yards, actually was the sheep sale. Marius blew through and uh, he held the camera and w- we did an on-site interview with the, with, uh, the agent there, the selling agent. Jimmy Coffey was the, was the first fellow that um, 
we interviewed and and from then on we I took the handy cam with me and uh, we did those interviews we uh, tried to have a look at the pen cards you know and and we we, we actually interviewed someone who was involved in the um, sale uh, someone of credibility and then put that on, onto YouTube and that of course that went into uh, Twitter at a, a little later stage and and then uh, live streaming to Facebook and um, anybody that sort of has uh, followed me followed that journey I think that I've been doing that for about 18 years now yes you were and Reed Murray you were a, a pioneer there look we're getting uh, we're running out of a little bit of time Murray looking back you've uh, seen so many changes which changes might resonate with you as the most positive for the livestock industry Look, I think that the, um, especially in, in the southern part of uh, Australia here, I think that the change in genetics in the beef industry has been the overwhelming uh, um, improvement that's been uh, at, at the evolving improvement. And what we've seen there is that instead of being a villa producing, you know, grass fed industry that, that we're focusing on domestic trade, you know, supermarkets and that sort of stuff. It it has evolved now into a weaner breeding operation, and and uh, you know these cattle now are uh, you know being uh, bred and and grown uh, through a series of uh, backgrounding networks to 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 focus on the feedlot industry. I think that that's the, the biggest change I think that's coming about, and uh, and consequently, I I don't think that uh, the southern industry is being served well that. Say the likes of the MLA aren't covering store sales in Victoria. There's there's no store sales covered, beef store sales covered south of Dubbo. Eighty thousand calves have been sold in January this year, and there hasn't been one of those reported by MLA. So you know they're missing a lot of the industry. I think it's, it, it it has changed, and and it's changing for the better, of course. And the other thing that's changed is. The evolution in um, in sale yards. You oh know, yes, from, that's, uh, that's been one hot, of the, that's been one of the extraordinary features, especially over the last fifteen yeah, years. Yeah, hot concrete yards to uh, soft floor overhead, yeah. uh, that sort of thing, and and the the evolution too. In and you would expect it to happen in transport. You know, when yeah. I first came into the industry, uh, you know, a, set, a, a flat top of uh, cows and a, and a double deck of uh, sheep were uh, all you could cart. Now they're carting in. Road trains and you know B doubles and all that sort of stuff, you know, depending on state regulation. So, you know, the, the efficiencies that have gone on is, uh, is is enormous. Yeah, a lot of positive news there. Now, Terry, any final question for Murray? Murray, do you do you have any advice for the uh, for the young journos out there that that might be through uh, lack of resources forced to largely become desk jockeys? Uh, where do you think the best stories are? Ah, the best stories. The best stories are at the end of the road, Terry. You've got to you've got to get out from underneath the desk and get out on the road. And and I spent I spent a lot of time on the road. My area was from Hay to Hobart, uh, South Australian border to uh, Gippsland. But uh, you know, I travelled widely. I got out and met the people. I tried to understand what the you know what they were going through uh, and look at it from their perspective. And, and you know, and with it, I tried to carry a little bit of advice with me that that I had seen in the marketplace. Because realistically, I was their eyes and their, their ears for many people. A lot of people just don't get off the land anymore. So you know, 
you've got to get out there and you've got to notice what's what's going on. And and if you're not looking at it, I don't think you're seeing it. Quick uh, question, finally, uh, Murray, and a quick answer, please, if you don't mind. Some are forever forecasting the end of the sale yard system and all will be sold on the net. What's your comment on that? Uh, Look, I don't think so. I I think there's still a a real element of people that want to uh, eyeball their livestock before they buy them. And, of course, it is a social gathering and it is a networking thing of bringing big numbers together. I, I still think that, you know, in a day where you've got annual big annual weaner sales like that we're putting on down here in Victoria now, there's when the circus is in town, you've got to cattle, have your own cattle in the yard because when the buyers are there and they want them, uh, we're breeding good cattle here now to go north. I, I think it's going to be a long time before sale yards are totally eliminated. I, I've, got, I've got a love for them, but I still think that they serve a very strong purpose in the marketing of livestock. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more, Murray. Murray Arnell, wool classer, um, agent, cattle buyer, journalist extraordinaire. I think Terry Sim will join me in wishing you the very, very best in your upcoming retirement. All the best, Murray. Thank right, you. Bye. And thank you for joining me today. Until next time. I'm Kerry Lonigan and this is the Weekly Grill brought to you by Alenco Animal Health and the Kelly's Finance Group.